0: Welcome to the Global Futures Podcast with me, Joël Sandu. In this episode, I sit down with Mathieu Tadis to talk about the dialogue between the European Union and African countries on migration issues and discuss the report he published early this year titled, European Union Partnerships with African Countries on Migration, Common Issues and Conflicting Interests. Mathieu is a research fellow with the Centre for Migration and Citizenship at the most influential think tank in France the Institut Français de Relation Internationale, also known as IFRI. Mathieu, welcome to the Global Futures Podcast, and thank you very much for inviting us here to your office in IFRI. Thank you for, for the invitation. So I'd like to talk about the study you published earlier this year in March 2018 that looks at European Union partnerships with African countries on migration. And in the report you highlighted um, that migration is a common issue that affects both the European Union and African countries, but in different ways, and you've also... Uh, Highlighted and what I find very alarming that there are how there are different and conflicting interests between the EU and African countries, um, and this is something I'd like to get into shortly. Um, but to start with, what are some of the top-line observations you think that our readers uh, and listeners, I should say, uh, should be aware of?
1: I think first thing that the, the readers and listeners should be aware of is that the African immigration to to Europe is not a large. Uh, immigration. I mean m- most most migration flows are taking place within one region and it's, it's the same for Europe. Most of the uh, migration in Europe are Europeans. Uh, and it's the same for Africans. Uh, most of the Africans are migrate in another uh, African country. And it's actually just one quarter of uh, the African migrants who are going to, um, to, to Europe. So the first thing that uh, the um, your readers have to know is is that i mean the, we, we are not talking about high figure uh not that high or not something that the European Union uh, cannot manage properly um so 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 the challenge is not that difficult so of course today there's a lot of discussion about the, the african demography and uh, that the african continent is going to be uh, inhabited by two billion per person in in a, in a couple of decades and so with with very a lot of concern about the, the access to resources for african um, african population and access to uh to employment so the fear is that mean there be more and more africans coming to, to Europe. Of course, there will be more because there will be more, but on the other side, we don't know whether all the Africans will come to Europe. And then again, most of the Africans uh, do uh, use their right to mobility, because it's sometimes the right to mobility within uh, the area. If you take only for the Western Africa uh, area, it's six million people on the move. Uh, within Western Africa. Within Western Africa, but it's, it's circular migration.
0: So not outside the African continent then? Yeah,
1: and they they go to another country to work, uh, and then they come back to their home country. So it's this this kind of migration that is very deep in, in the tradition, as it is here in Europe, I
0: mean, we try to forget that, but it is the same here in in Europe. It's more or the same everywhere in the world. So, why is the European Union focusing on Africa then? And I ask this because they've also created this fund to to work with uh, African countries, and there seems to be a real focus on it. And you're saying that you know it's not such a large number, but what what is triggering this activism on the EU side to engage with African partners to deal with migration? Then
1: I guess first is about the perception of Africans by by Europeans. Then again then there's more migration today from, from Spain or Italy to France or British uh national who come to France for for for, for retirement. Uh but we don't want uh, we don't fear them on the other side. Actually we value that kind of immigration. So it's it's mostly a, a perception of Africans which is I believe rooted in our past of colonial country as well so we always had this kind of uh, relationship with African countries and at the end I believe most of the people fear that the Africans they only come here for for the wealth of Western Europe of Europe and for the the social benefits which is not true when you look at the figures uh, here in France or in most of uh, European countries I mean migrants uh, usually don't rely on social benefits or less than nationals they're usually young and they work um, so it's it's an economic added value for us um, most of the time.
0: And would it be, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, would it be fair to say they contribute more than they take out from the economy? Is it safe to say that?
1: According to many economists, which I'm not, uh, yes. Yes, because they are young, so they go directly to the labor market. Uh, they usually actually go on the works that we don't want to work. Uh, even in a country like France, where more or less nine ten percent of the, of a population is unemployed there 's a lot of um, sector in the job market where it 's very difficult uh, to find someone to work including in in restaurants in construction so
0: they they, they they hire a lot of uh, foreigners in in these in these sectors on your point on perceptions. I find that interesting. How is the public opinion and the current political climate that we see in Europe affecting the way that the EU is thinking about or dealing with the issue of migration vis-a-vis African partners?
1: I think the, 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 the impact of the words we use to qualify the situation, especially since 2015, to call this situation a migration crisis has a big impact on the population and it's at the end it's the inability of for of, of, uh, of, uh, European governments to to, uh, to address the situation because there's a difficult situation as people are dying in the Mediterranean Sea it can be it can have a situation and impact on, on local communities sometimes um, of course but to, to, la- to label that as a crisis uh although then again especially since uh, last year the, the numbers are decreasing uh of the arrivals I see is um is um is a way for the population to 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 understand that there's a crisis situation although they don't feel it they don't see it they think there's a crisis situation and if you look at at who is voted for the far right parties in in most european countries including France, it's not the big cities, the large cities where you have the most diversity and where migrants are usually going and live. It's where you don't have foreigners who don't have migrants when you vote for these parties on immigration concerns. So it clearly uh, demonstrates that there's no crisis, that there can be some kind of difficulties uh, that we have to address, and sometimes they are complex to address, but things are going their way I mean people integrate and people get into a society and uh, and um, and they work and they raise their family and uh, the and people live together as has always been I mean France for instance has always been a country of immigration we're certainly the most diverse society in europe and uh, you could hear today, yeah, but yes, before when the Italians, the Polish or the Belgium came to France, uh in the nineteenth or the beginning of the twentieth century, they were Christians, so there, there was no uh, integration issue. But if you look back at the political discourses uh at that time, you could hear exactly the same kind of thing that you read today on the muslims exactly the same so it's always been the same history is repeating uh we have to be a bit more clever and not to do the same mistakes as we did before
0: so coming back to 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 your point on how a lot of the people who are fearing the migration issue come from the countryside you can see this in other parts of europe too so you see this in east german or former east germany where there's far less immigrants staying most of a lot of them are in in the western part you see this also within the uk where a lot of people who do come to england stay in london and not in some countryside place and in France, too, you just mentioned. So what do you think is driving this perception of people who live in the countryside, who do not necessarily see uh, immigrants uh, on a daily basis or not living next to them, but are still having this fear? What is what is the driver behind this, to, to, in your opinion? I mean, it's a political debate. I mean, uh, the, the far right has been high
1: in France since the 1980s. So they put this issue on the agenda. And on this, at the same time, we are supposed to uh, stopped immigration in France in the nineteen seventies with uh, the beginning of uh, economic crisis in nineteen seventy four. So we've been hearing from this time, I mean for forty years now, that uh, immigration is not a positive thing. But at the same time, people see that the, the society is getting more and more diverse, so they don't understand. Uh, we've been hearing that that immigration is not a positive thing because we have economical problems in in the country, but at the same time we see um people with um a foreign background uh in this country so so it creates a less less lack of trust to to the authorities and then the authorities think that the people want less immigration so they to be elected they're going on this kind of, uh, of uh, political platform, and uh, then the, the, the people, the population, see that they don't succeed. And this is how you, 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 you have uh, more and more people who are, and more and more politicians, who are actually proposing the same kind of immigration policy, at least then, as the far right. So they won this battle. But then, I would say that it's very interesting, and I think you, 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 you can see that in many European countries, maybe especially in Germany, because there was another situation in 2015 than the one we had here in, in France. Um, then, if you go down to the local level or to the individual level, the, 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 the situation is very different. And um, we've seen more and more people uh, hosting migrants or refugees at home in in many countries, uh, including here in France, there's a really real mobilis- mobilization of of people, some people, to to help migrants and refugees, sometimes against the police. Uh, we can see that in France at the border with Italy, but we could see that in Calais as well. But you can see that in in Paris as well, that more and more people um hosting migrants, uh, young migrants most of the time, young men and children often. So 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 that's. There's a larger gap between national policies and the national discourse and uh what is happening at the local level and I think it's it's more and more striking uh, to me and I c- can clearly see that in france um as i told you today i'm 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 currently i'm working on this on on the study on how refugees are welcome in small communities in the country and including very rural areas. Uh, we've been involved as well in projects um, at IFRI with um, with practitioners at the local level on migration and as well on diversity and, and uh, Islam issues. And you could see that it's schools, in uh, in neighborhoods, the situation is very different and people are much more uh, open and generous than the opinion pool seems to uh, to, uh, to depict us as a society.
0: Let's come back to your report uh, briefly. And I want to pick you up on on a phrase I read and I want to go a little bit deeper in it. In, in the report from March, you wrote, the migration issue is at the center of European foreign policy, specifically in terms of external relations with African countries. Could you tell our listeners what do you mean by this and how has this taken shape in recent years?
1: Mm. The, what, what, what we call the external dimension of uh, EU policy on uh, migration and asylum is not new. I mean, it's been uh, on the agenda since the beginning of the uh, years 2000. Uh, and especially at the, um, in 2004 uh, with what we call the, the Hague program. So, clearly, it's to align the internal dimension of the, on, on policies on migration and, and asylum with the external uh, dimension. It means with cooperation with third countries. It's not new, but it is, has never been uh, effective till today. As often with, uh, with the EU, the, the EU member states make a couple of statements during uh, EU councils. Uh, ask the European Commission to to make uh, to draft an agenda. The European Commission draft an agenda, and then nobody uh, implemented. So, so we had before in two thousand five, the, the European Commission um, established what they called the, the global approach on migration, which changed after the Arab. Arab Springs to the global approach on migration and mobility. And it was a framework, a political framework of partnership between the EU and third country nationals, not only Africa, but uh, all around the, 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 the globe. Uh, it was not effective because international relations, foreign affairs, are mainly dealt by member states member states on the bilateral, um, on a bilateral uh, dialogue. So you have a couple of member states, was mostly Spain, Portugal, France, Italy, who developed bilateral dialogue with uh, African countries and, on migration, because they had a direct interest in that. And it was especially Spain, actually. Spain was always a bit ahead of everyone else uh, on this topic in uh, in the middle of the year years, 2000, because there were a lot of people arriving in Spain at that time from, from Africa. But you could see that there was a discrepancy between what the, the EU said about what should be this uh, global approach to migration and what the member states did. And the European Commission was always in favor to, to to have a kind of bargain with this third country in asking them to, to be a bit more efficient when it comes to border control and to migration management. And we will provide more visa for their nationals. The thing is, who are providing the visa it's not the, the European commission, it's the member states. So if the member states, the consulate uh, abroad uh, do not provide uh, more visa to the nationals the the the, the deal is not uh, is not fair, and this is what happened. Things changed in 2015, of course, because there was a sense of emergency and crisis in in Europe. So, so migration and asylum became like the higher topic on the agenda of the EU and a very political topic. It was not only ministries of uh, interior affairs who dealt with that. It was now the, the president of the Com- European Commission the head of state of government um, so so yeah it's changed a lot it became a priority for many uh, member states and for the, and for the EU so the European Commission uh, um, adopted and, and proposed a new partnership uh, framework with third country on migration and what was new is first I guess we will discuss about that a, a bit later uh, there were there is more resources to implement this policy with a trust fund, couple of trust funds, including one from for Africa, uh, to implement what we call the Valeta Plan program, which was adopted in Malta in November 2015. So there's more, there's more financial resources.
0: You assuming, there, uh, hmm. uh, just for the readers, uh, sorry, the listeners to know, the funds are coming. By and large, from the European side,
1: yeah, which was not supposed to be, yeah, I mean, it's mostly only the, from the European side. Uh, it's, uh, it's 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 European money, uh, and mostly the European Commission money. which was not supposed to be the case at the beginning. Most of the money should have come from the the member states. And uh, today, it's still the European Commission who who allocate a lot of funds to to these trust funds.
0: And an interesting takeaway for me from your report was actually looking at the statistics that you provide. And you said, by and large, it's from the European Commission. And then you have this big difference in terms of what members, some member states, and you have to correct me, Offered a hundred thousand euros, and mm. others were pouring in millions. Um, just give us a little insight into why that's the case, and I mean, just for those who aren't aware of this.
1: I mean, those who who uh, contribute the most are Germany and Italy. Uh, so why why the case is because Germany is is the European country that is the most concerned with immigration today. So so. And and that's the wealthiest country in Europe as well. Uh, and Italy has had a clear interest as well to uh, to have more cooperation with our country. So it's 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 interesting to see uh, how little the countries from the Central European side of the continent of the EU uh, contribute so little. Because what they they're saying is that we, they don't want uh, immigrants. So so they don't want to. Um, they don't want to agree with the internal solidarity uh, it means sharing, uh, distributing the, the asylum seekers and refugees among uh, member states. They don't want to, uh, to contribute to that and they say that we don't want to contribute to that, but we can, we can contribute to, uh, to a better border, border control and better uh, cooperation with third country. When you look at the figures, that's not what they are doing, um, obviously. This is really not what they are doing, and they're actually very, not very present in the field uh, in Africa as well. So you, 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 you see still today that there's only a couple of member states that, that do play the, um, the, the game. It's mostly it's, it's Germany, Italy, although maybe it's changing now with, with a new government in, in Italy, France, uh, especially in, in Africa, because we have a lot of uh, interest there as well, Spain uh these are the big foes who who have really a role in the field uh outside Europe. And for Germany is quite new, uh in Africa at least. It's it's quite new. It's a new big player in Africa which was not the case and you could clearly make the connection with what happened in 2015. But just to to, to, as well to finish about uh, why this external dimension is so important today is as well because the internal dimension and the reform of what we call the the common European asylum system is is not working at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Member states do not agree on what should be the rules of uh, the right to asylum in Europe. So they only agree that if we don't agree what we should do together here in Europe, on the territory, at least we can agree that we want to prevent uh, immigrants to come here. Um, so if the external dimension is so high today on the agenda, is because we are not able today to have a, a shared uh, vision of what is. Uh, welcoming refugees or what is integrating migrants in our countries as well. So, so it's as, it's because there's this fear that we, we we try to uh, transfer more and more responsibility of migration management to to um to a third country. And with this, I mean the, the main example is is the deal with Turkey.
0: So to pick up on what you just uh, spoke about with the funds, um, and one thing that really stunned me when I read the report is how much uh, the EU is still dictating the objectives and implementations of how these funds are to be used Mm -hmm. in uh, African countries. Um, And this clearly links to what are the conflicting uh, interests between uh, the two sides, the EU and African countries. Mm -hmm. Could you just give our listeners uh, basically a quick rundown of the key Conflicts of interest and how these are, in a sense, deepening the issue at least on the African continent.
1: Yeah, I mean this partnership, are clearly not partnership, because I mean the the political priorities for 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 the EU are clear. I mean it's it's to prevent irregular migration to the EU and to increase the the rate of returns to countries of origins and and transit. And These are the, the, the stated priorities uh, of uh, of the member states of the EU and the, the EU. Um, on the other side uh, of the sea, immigration is 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 a factor of of development for many uh, African countries, and we have to be aware of that. I mean, if you take a country like Mali, uh, it's almost seven percent of their national growth. Uh, national production, national wealth sorry. comes from remittance. Yes, yeah. from the diaspora. So, so we can we cannot stop that from one day to another because it's going to have a big impact on the country. So we have to be aware about that. That we can have a reserve re- reverse uh, impact if if we don't let people from Mali to come here uh, from one day to another. So we have to think of opening legal migration routes to uh, to Europe. It's supposed to be one of the objective, one of the priority of the of a Valletta plan, of the, of the partnership with third country, but this priority has never had today any uh, any concrete example. Uh nothing is put in place. The European Commission is trying to push member states to participate, to contribute to uh to a European programme. On uh, legal, li- labor migration, legal migration for, uh, for, for for people from this country, but nobody wants to contribute about that, uh, and especially not at the European level. We, it's even difficult for today to, to for the member state to agree on the request of the EU directive on the what we call the blue uh, blue card, uh, which is a blue card, a resident permit for for a highly skilled. Person. so, even for a highly skilled person we don't agree on what should be the the common rules so for the low skill the lower skilled uh, people is going to be impossible so so that's one uh conflicting interest and we have to understand that of course there's a public opinion here in Europe, and uh, what the public opinion wants it's its results and quickly and this is where the governments have to be a bit more uh, clear and transparent with their citizens is that it's not we're not going to have uh, uh, results quickly uh, because it's a complex situation so it's going to take time but there there are also public opinion in africa and the public opinion in africa of course they want uh, better protection for, for their own government so but if they don't get it they either maybe go on riots protest or leave the country so they need I mean, immigration can be a, a, an investment for many people in, in Africa, not for all, but for many people, it can be an investment for the future and they get more income from from the diaspora here or in North America than from the government. So we have to take into consideration that and the governments in Africa are quite weak uh, today and we have to realize that these countries are already very weak and very vulnerable. Uh, we should not make them more weak and vulnerable because we have uh interest on immigration issues which are nothing but rational so so that's something that the European policymakers should have to uh in in in
0: the mind you mentioned at the at the top of the podcast that uh one of the things that made the European Union successful. Uh, was that it? Always had this movement of people, but largely within Europe. You know, you you mentioned the Poles, the uh, Belgians, the Italians. Uh, you also highlighted that they were Christians, and so that was not much of an issue. But the long and short of it is, mobility of people led to the success, part success of the European project, the European Union project. But what I took away from your report is that's not what the EU wants for Africa. Am I? Am I? Can you? give us a little more insight on that? Because that was also a really kind of pointed observation. In the ECOWAS
1: uh, area, the West African, they have a freedom of movement as well, like we have here in, in Europe. Not exactly in the same way, but that's that's something that's already uh, a reality there. And that's one of the objectives of the African Union as well, to have freedom of movement in, in Africa and to have an African passport. And we are a good example here in Europe t- to, to to demonstrate that it's it's um, a factor of wealth and peace, and I mean, look what's happening today with uh, with a Brexit. I mean, we're all concerned about what's going to happen in Ireland because there's going to be a border again uh, in Ireland. So that's a clear example that that uh, it's it's a factor of peace as well. Um, so we know that we're experiencing that here in uh, in uh, in the EU. So I don't know, I don't think that the Europeans don't want that for, for Africans. It's just that they don't care what they want in a way that our priorities is to have better uh, migration management. But you, can,
0: but you can see the issue with this. This is almost, some could argue, it's here come the Europeans to tell us what to do again on our soil. And uh, I'm sure I mean, mm. we're on the same page with mm. this, but where, where, how do you think they get away with even daring to ask the African countries to... Kind of demobilize your people.
1: I, I'm sure many uh, European diplomats are aware of that, and they and uh, maybe they they try to uh, tell the governments here in Europe that, that it could be a, a danger for for of course these African countries and for all of us at the end, including for security issues. Uh, actually, uh, I believe now it's, it's it's it links with the obsession with immigration here. And who is dealing with immigration in, in, in Europe? It's 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 interior affairs, it's home affairs. who, is, who are dealing with uh, with relations with third countries, it's foreign affairs officials. So they, they don't see they don't have the same perspectives. And there are elections here. And today migration is is one of the main topic on for, for elections. So so politicians are of course concerned about their election so they, they don't see further than the next election. And there's always election, I mean, there's always election in one country, it can be a local or, or national, and there's always election in Europe. And now we saw lately that how important election in Germany can be for the rest of Europe, how important election in France or anywhere, even in Hungary, you know, it's, it's important for the rest of Europe. So, so there's always election in the EU and migration is always a high topic. So so this is where the interests of and priorities of uh, African countries is always after the priorities of those who are running for the election. But at the end, in the wrong run, it's going to be a lose-lose situation. I mean, clearly, it's going to be a lose-lose situation. And uh, this is what I'm a bit worried about and a bit concerned about. Uh, and including to... Um, to make uh, this clear connection between security issues and migration, it's uh, it can be a bit dangerous as well because there are two dis- separate topics, in my opinion. And to make us believe that migration is only an issue with trafficker, which which is not, and you can cl- clearly see that in in Niger. And it was very interesting when I went there last year to see that those who are driving migrants to the Libyan or Algerian border are just kids they have nothing to do, they, they 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 saw their economic opportunities. So when they stopped that, uh, it didn't mean that uh, there were no migration for to Libya or to, uh, or to Algeria and then eventually to Europe afterwards. It just meant that they didn't use these more safe ways to travel and to cross the border. So they had to go to people who were more in the criminal sector than before. They didn't, don't use the same the main road, they have to go through other roads, uh, alternative roads in the desert. And since that time, uh, when the Nigerian authorities started to implement this law to, to, uh, to prohibit traffic and to prohibit to, to transport migrants, we, 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 we find more and more dead people in the desert. So that's, that's exactly what's happening. And, um, and then again, there's there's a political opinion in Africa as well. I mean, Africans has opinion as well, of course, and um, it has an impact on people from Nigeria, Niger, sorry, because they are they are moving a lot in West Africa or in Libya, uh, but not to Europe. But they are, there it has an impact on them as well it means as well that Niger is part of the ECOWAS, so there's a freedom of movement for people from other uh, Western African countries. So if someone from Mali uh, or from Senegal is going to, uh, to to Niger, it's not in a regular situation uh, according to, to, to the local law and to the Western African system. But with what we're trying to impose there, there are becoming irregular migrants before bec- being irregular migrants, and we, we, we start to to uh, t- to make a confusion with that and security issues, and there's is a big security concern in this in this part of uh, Africa in Sahel, uh, but there are separate things and I, I had discussion here in France with uh, people from the army the French army is, is, is very present there I mean there's a lot of uh, militaries French militaries uh, in this area and they are, they are being asked by the um, people here in Paris to, uh, to do something on migration and say what, what can we do I mean we just see people taking uh, going on buses that's it that's the only thing they do they just use very regular bus lines to go to to Agadez. and then in Agadez there there's no more bus line they, they take.
0: That's the region in the uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, so that's it. it. It's it's not an issue we we have to deal with. I mean, we we cannot do thing do anything against that. We don't cannot prevent people to to move when they have a right to move from one country to to another. And even if they didn't have a right to move, we're not here for that. Um, so 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 that's a lot of concern, but. That the use of uh, the army to uh, to manage immigration is something we see in Europe as well. I mean, uh, there were several Central European states who started to use the army uh, to protect the border. We had this, I mean, the first measure we took at the European Union is to create the, an Med mission in the Mediterranean, uh, which is military uh operation um just in um, offshore libya in greece that they, they, they use the army to to run the, the refugee camp so it's it's something that is becoming more and more a military issue and and that's again a, a little bit concerning
0: material very briefly what to, in your opinion would a more mutually beneficial agreement between the european union and its african partners look like or could look like?
1: I mean, if we're only talking about migration, it's, it's. Um, it, I mean, it would be to, to take into consideration uh, a bit more the, the interest of, of uh, African countries. And, of course, I know that foreign affairs and international relations is not about fairness. I mean, it's who is the strongest and the strongest can impose things on, on the other. But, uh, we have to take into consideration maybe in Europe that it would be for beneficial for all of us at the end. I'm not even sure actually uh, that I mean we we, we, we ask those countries and um, to to um, to take more responsibility in migration management on our behalf uh, we put ourselves in a situation of vulnerability and depend- dependency. Towards this country, we can clearly see that with Turkey today, we ask them to to take care of the refugees there and not to to let them come here. We feel a little bit trapped today when we have to say something against Erdogan uh, on human rights issues. So I don't even think that in the long run uh, it's going to be beneficial for for Europe, and we we give up a little bit of our own sovereignty uh, with, with 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 migration. But to go back to your to your question. To have a more uh, fair and partnership, uh, we have to take into consideration uh, some of, some of the priorities, which is mostly to open legal migration and to support them in the in the objective to to organize a bit more the freedom of circulation circulation in in Africa. Uh, I think it's very important that we we can be very helpful two African countries. We we will see what's going to happen at the end of this year because the two uh, global pacts are supposed to be adopted by the UN, uh, one on migration and another one on refugees. I'm afraid that there's not so much to expect but maybe I'm too pessimistic. Uh, I hope I am. There's not so much to expect from uh, from the Western countries. I mean, the EU, the U.S. are already out. It's not a surprise. Uh, the EU is not out, of course. But there's a kind of uh, strange game from from the European member states because they're, when you discuss with them what, are you, what is your position for the global campaign, it's, it's not something that has to be dealt with at the national level. It's the EU is competent to to negotiate, but the EU is, the EU is nothing. I mean, EU is just... 28, soon 27 states. So that it means that they don't really want to, to give too much importance to this process, to this dialogue, and uh, that they don't, won't give too much credit to, to what would be the outcome. And and it's a little bit uh, pity, especially today, when when you have countries like France uh, stating that multi. Larism is is key and we have to be careful about the situation today at the international level and we have to to uh, to uh, promote uh multilateral sorry dialogue uh that we don't we don't do that when it comes to immigration and immigration with global warming of uh, ecologies of main topics today we have to uh, to to face of main challenges and uh, we we should do the same thing as what we did for with the COP21, with migration, we, sh- we have to do the same with global governance.
0: And just to pick you up on that, and uh, we'll end with this final question, moving forward, what would you say to your mind are some of the key challenges that people who work on migration issues within Europe, be it from Africa or African countries or elsewhere, what, what should they keep in mind? What should they be looking out for as we move into, let's say, the next decade? One, one
1: key factors we have to, to look a little bit more into is it's about the legal status, uh, how you categorize uh, migrants. We have, uh, especially in Europe and especially in France actually, we, we, there's, there's a strong um, opposition between refugees and uh, what Emmanuel Macron for instance called uh, economic migrants. It's funny because sometimes they speak about the same people when, the, when Emmanuel Macron said we have to welcome refugees and when the, minister, the former minister of uh, Interior Affairs we have to get, be careful to get rid of uh, economic migrants in Calais. They're actually talking about the same person because most of the migrants who were in Calais or some of them are still in Calais are from Sudan, Afghanistan, Eritrea and when they apply for asylum they, many of them they get uh, international protection. Um, so I think it's something that we have to think a little bit more. Uh, I, I don't mean that we have to um, redraft the Geneva Convention which is still the cornerstone of uh, the, the global regime of uh, protection international protection but we have to look a bit more about uh what are the needs of the people and to to base to have a more an approach based on the needs uh, the the Geneva Convention you are a refugee if you are Persecuted, or you're fearing persecution in your home country, but doesn't take into consideration what's happening in between, your home country and the last country, your, and the country you apply for asylum. But a lot of things are happening, and more and more because it's more and more difficult to come to a country like Europe. I mean, to your continent like Europe legally. I mean, it's very difficult for refugees to flee and to apply for a visa. So, so a lot of things are happening in, on, on the way. It's it's it takes more and more time for for a refugee to to come here or for a migrant to come here. Often at the beginning they never meant to come to Europe. I mean, it's just they live to the next country, and there they're fear, they're, they're they're facing discrimination or of a kind of persecution, and they go to another country again, and and then, country by country, they arrived here. But many of them they didn't never meant to to come to Europe. I mean, Europe is not this dream area for 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 many of them. I don't saying for all of them. So we have to be a bit to 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 have another look how we look international migration. I mean, situation has changed a lot and countries like like it, North Africa, I mean, are, are becoming more and more country of destination or at least people staying there. I'm sub-Saharan, not staying there. Sudan is a country of departure, a country of origin, a country of transit. I mean, all these situations are very complex and the international law doesn't take so much into consideration but we're still stuck in the, in, in, in 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 how uh the world was functioning forty years ago, and uh now we're in a new century and we have to be a little bit more um we have to 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 go to a step forward and um and to look at uh migration not as um not on, only as uh, a trip from a journey from point a to point b but there's a lot of things going on and this is where including Europe should take into more consideration what's happening on on, on on the road to Europe or maybe before people are coming to Europe. But not only to prevent them to to come to Europe. I mean some people can be have rights or maybe it's better for them that they come to Europe and we have to organize that it can be for refugees or a kind of, uh, of of migrants or to support the country of transit to um to to address the issues, including when it comes to human rights it 's not only about the economical support and development supports when it comes to human rights so so this is in my opinion the, the main challenge and where we have to uh, we have to work a little bit with a big obstacle it's that today it's more and more difficult to speak about migration in a rational way i mean every time I go now to a conference and talk about migration. Uh and you tell people in the audience that okay, migration is a challenge, but there's I mean we are not there's no invasion in Europe. Uh and especially in France, people don't want to believe you. So so that's a big uh issue for,
0: for researcher uh, mm-hmm. today. And we want to wish you all the best in making sure you do convince people uh to, <laughs> to see your point of view there. Uh, Unfortunately, we have to leave it there, but Mathieu, I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us and uh, we look forward to uh, speaking again. Thank Thank you. Thank you
1: very much. Thank you.
0: This episode of the Global Futures Podcast was presented by me, Joel Sandu, and produced by Sonia Sugarbova, with support from Jill Vandavala from the Global Public Policy Institute. Our guest was Mathieu Tadis. For a full list of Global Governance Futures products, including scenario reports, opinion pieces, interviews, and other products, visit ggfutures.net forward slash analysis.